Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset, your source for news in Chicago and beyond. Half a million people in Puerto Rico still don't have power or water, three days after Hurricane Fiona slammed into the island. In the coming weeks, scientists will be studying data from the storm to determine what role climate change played. But we know that a warming planet is causing more intense storms and extreme weather. And that weather is forcing millions of people, many of them already struggling, to flee their homes around the world. It's a future scientists have warned about for years, and it's happening now. So what comes next and how do we prepare? Here to discuss is Juan de Clay Barreto, Senior Social Scientist for Climate Vulnerability for the Climate and Energy Program at the Union of Concerned Scientists. Also with us is Gaia Vince, author of Nomad Century, How Climate Migration Will Reshape Our World. Juan, how does the worst of climate change heighten the divide between the haves and the have-nots? Well, um, climate change is clearly broadening those gaps that have uh, existed um, due to uh, multiple forces such as racism, discrimination, both you know, in the United States and, and, and globally. Um, we have seen that climate change, um, in, in the case of uh, Puerto Rico, for example, um, has um, strengthened many uh, different um, uh, hurricanes, namely Hurricane Maria, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a little east, uh, um, premature to say what the specific um, impact of climate change has been on Hurricane Fiona, but certainly the characteristics of, um, of that hurricane, such as rapid intensification, slower translation speeds, more rain and more wind are, uh, the, uh, are the hallmarks of climate change augmented extreme weather events. Yeah. When, uh, can, you, can you be specific? Where are we seeing the most people impacted, would you say? And, and what parts of climate change are we seeing people affected by right now? Well, across a host of different climate impacts, if you're talking about drought, if you're talking about um, extreme weather events, or I'm sorry, uh, waves, uh, hurricanes, floods, and so on, um, the common denominator in that in the, in the United States is that it's mostly people of color and people with low incomes. Um, we're seeing those impacts across uh, um, farm working communities in many areas of California that are seeing extreme uh, heat um, uh, uh, compromise their ability to work, mm-hmm. and their, their, their health, their safety. We're seeing across um, the U.S. Uh, Gulf Coast with uh, many communities, including many indigenous communities, um, that are facing sea level rise and hurricane impacts, as well as the U.S. Caribbean. Um, we're seeing heat waves all across the urban environment. There have been areas and rural areas where many populations of color live in many populations with low incomes with limited access to health care, preventative health care, um, uh, air conditioning uh, with a significant energy burden in their in their households and so on. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty broad. Yeah. Well, let's focus on Hurricane Fiona for for just a moment, Juan. We know climate change isn't actually the full story there, and that uh, climate scientists, as I mentioned, they still need to analyze all the data. I'm curious your impression, though. Do you think that climate change is at play here? Well, certainly climate change is one of the big uh, factors that are framing how much more um, strong these uh, impacts or these hurricanes can get and can be. But it's also, like you said, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's not the full picture. Yeah. Um, we have uh, Hurricane Fiona landed on, on Puerto Rico uh, one day shy of the fifth anniversary of Hurricane Mar- Maria in 2017. 
And what we are seeing is that many of the lessons from Hurricane Maria were not heeded by either the federal government um, or the Puerto Rican government, um, where the insistence on not rebuilding the electric grid um, in a way that would be resilient to future climate uh, impacts and to wean ourselves away from fossil fuels that make territories, island territories, more vulnerable to the volatility of fossil fuels in the global markets and also to the fact that those power, large power plants in Puerto Rico are located in coastal areas. Uh, plus the failure to develop a or, or restore a transportation and mm-hmm. urban infrastructure that could withstand um, those um, um, uh, those uh, historical amounts of, of clean water um, paints a picture that it's the combination of climate change um, with um, a deal of mismanagement and lack to in a in an unwillingness to recognize and tackle the climate crisis problem. Gaia, let's let's bring you in here. When we talk about climate change, we often talk about adapting to it, right? So, can you remind us what that means? What is adapting to to climate change, and at what point? Uh, do are people just not able to adapt anymore where they live and they just have to move? Yeah, of course. So as one said, you know, climate change is a threat multiplier. So people who are already vulnerable because they're poorer or they're discriminated against um, in society or economically in some way due to their skin colour or because they're migrants, um, various reasons, will be most impacted. And the climate is changing. The world is getting hotter. That means that there's a lot more energy in the system. So weather events become much more energetic. Uh, Storms are much more damaging. Heat is much more intense and lasts for longer. Droughts and flash floods uh, can wipe, wipe away infrastructure. So we've heard a lot about mitigation, about the idea that we cut back our carbon emissions so to prevent the uh, future heating of the planet and this this terrible impact. Um, We can't prevent what's already happened. It's, you know, we've already um, emitted a lot of carbon into the atmosphere. The temperature of the planet is already at least 1.2 degrees above the pre-industrial average. And we're seeing the effects in Puerto Rico, in Pakistan, across the west coast of the United States, across Europe all summer, China, everywhere. Now we need to also talk about what's going to happen in the coming decades. And um, for my book, Nomad Century, I really wanted to address the fact that for some places in the planet, they will simply not be able to adapt. So there are certain things we can do. There are lessons we can learn. We shouldn't be building, as Juan said, we shouldn't be building infrastructure, housing in vulnerable areas. I mean, in some places, there's very little choice. If you can't build there, you have to move. And that is Mm -hmm. what we're facing in the coming decades. We're facing huge movement. There's a tropical band running around the equator, which is going to become increasingly uninhabitable. Also, coastlines, rivers, many cities will be at least part of them will be uninhabitable for at least some months of the year. People are going to have to move. Juan, Maria was a Category 4 storm, uh, and the Trump administration, if we recall, uh, did not respond and provide resources to help the residents recover and rebuild. How did that impact migration from the island? Well, um, I think um, the immediate aftermath of Hurricane Maria, the, uh, the disaster situation, the humanitarian crisis that unfolded, 
Um, and also the uh, earthquakes that followed in Puerto Rico in 2020 accelerated a process of out-migration and depopulation in Puerto Rico. That had been, um, that had started well, probably a good decade or two before, uh, right? Um, whereas the, where, where the, where the Puerto Rican um, population pyramid has basically been inverted, you know, it's heavy at the top with lots of elderly people and, 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 and persons of productive age or working age, um, such as, for example, my sister and her husband, for example, you know, have left the island to pursue a different life in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, that uh, combined with also the, the connections of, of healthcare professionals as well, uh, the fact that Medicare um, Puerto Rico, um, uh, Medicare benefits are lower than in the United States and a whole host of other structural, social, economic and political factors are leaving Puerto Rico um, um, very, very vulnerable with very vulnerable population. Um, I haven't seen yet after Fiona a, a mass exodus of, of, of people in the airports to leave the island like we saw um, in the first immediate aftermath of Maria, but that doesn't mean it, it won't happen. Um, I, um, I, I, I mean, it's a little, it's, it, it's still a humanitarian um, crisis situation yeah. that's unfolding over there, right? So it's a little bit early to tell. Gaia, there's this history of the U.S. government giving temporary protected status to folks who come from countries that have experienced natural disasters like this. Do you know of this kind of temporary visa program existing elsewhere, other countries? Yeah, I mean, there are many countries around the world that issue these. But, you know, what we're going to be facing over the coming decades is something much greater than than temporary emergency situations. We're going to face, you know, Puerto Rico is a is a tragedy and uh, it will issue forth uh, migrants, some of whom will return, some of whom won't. But increasingly, Puerto Rico will actually become largely uninhabitable, as will uh, New Orleans. You know, there, there are places, you know, globally, the number of people exposed to coastal flooding at the moment is around 250 million people a year. By 2050, that will be a billion. Wow. You know, this is this this is something we are going to need to plan plan for. You know, by 2070, and this is within my children's um, you know working lives. Yeah. This zone of uninhabitability I'm talking about could cover one fifth of the planet, and it is the most populated fifth of the planet. We need to we need to plan for this. We need to talk about it. You know, I propose a lot of solutions to um, this, uh, how to manage migration in a in a humanitarian way. But it's it's an economic issue. This is an economic issue. We can need you, can to you share some of those sure. solutions with us? Yeah. So in, in Nomad Century, I, I kind of lay out a manifesto for how this might work. And it 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 really needs to be globally coordinated. So um, there are there are many options. People are going to have to move to northern latitudes generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means to the far north, we're going to have to expand existing cities, and we're going to have to build entirely new ones built by um, by uh, immigrants, essentially, just as um, America was built by by Europeans, um, you know, a couple of hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. So this could be managed um, by a quota system of migrants. We could be looking at charter cities. We could be looking at um, purchase or rental of land. I mean, the United States purchased Alaska from the uh, from uh, Russia some. Uh, in the uh, 1800s, uh, uh, the UK rented uh, Hong Kong from China. Th- these are all options. Yeah. If you look at, um, for example, Jakarta in Indonesia, which um, is is having this problem 
right now very dramatically the the city this enormous city is being flooded constantly they are moving their capital to um borneo i mean that's a that's one solution so wow. so people are going to have to find solutions to this and we're going to have to completely change the way we talk about migration and mm-hmm. immigration we're going to have to get away completely from this very toxic um idea that immigrants are somehow harmful to our economies the evidence shows they are not um they they you know these are people moving generally for work um and they move to where the work is if we manage it properly these could be new inclusive uh, prosperous yeah uh, healthy cities of the future sustainable you know the next coming decades are going to require an enormous transition in everything a transformation in our food our energy systems our infrastructure oh, yeah. a complete and where mindset we live. shift for sure absolutely for sure. and among that we have to we have to rethink how we move people on this planet because migration is inevitable now the degree is not but it is inevitable and how we manage it is um going to is going to set the next few decades one you know what role do you think people and and companies and lawmakers in this country have when it comes to adopting more sustainable practices to just make the impacts of climate change less acute for folks in these well, coastal islands yeah, I, I think that in regards also to what um to what Guy is saying about about um displaced um displacement mi- and, and forced migration due to climate change, well we have to talk about those impacts and how to manage, you know, so the sort of inevitable outflow of people. We have to face the fact that there are communities, for example, communities in Puerto Rico that I work with, Afro Caribbean uh, descendant communities who are actively challenging the notion that they have to move out of their ancestral and historical land. Um that for them that only means that People with resources, with money to protect themselves and um, against climate change impact are going to take over those lands that are worth a lot of money, that have lots of natural beauty and ecological value. Yeah. And I am certain this is the case across the, 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 the country and the world with other communities who are uh, have a very deep sense of a, national, of a cultural identity tied to the land, to where, um, where their social capital and their social uh, community strength uh, um, emanates from. And that is something that some communities are are, are actively uh, fighting. It's the case, for example, you know, FEMA yeah. at the federal level in the United States only provides money for people to go away somewhere else. You know, not to allow people to improve the, the or, or to 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 um, um, improve the, the areas where they live and protect them against climate change. Yeah. We'll have to leave it there for now. Very interesting. That was Juan de Clay Barreto, Senior Social Scientist for Climate Vulnerability at the Union of Concerned Scientists. And Gaia Vince, author of Nomad Century, How Climate Migration Will Reshape Our World. Thank you both. This episode of Reset was produced by Linnea Dominic. It was mixed by Ethan Schwab. If you want more great interviews and conversations, then consider subscribing to this podcast. And don't forget to leave us a rating. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll see you tomorrow.
Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.